a life-threatening virus, a group of people torn apart by their own bad behaviors, authority figures who misinterpret the problem and attack its own citizens while ignoring the problems. We watched Cabin Fever, which means it's time for another Portland at the Movies. In a world, in a time, in a land of eternal beauty, all that stands between a city and a disaster, in a city where anything can happen, if you thought you had seen it all. It's like being on a plane that you know is gonna crash. And everyone around you is just screaming, we're going down, we're going down. And all you want to do is just grab the person next to you and f*** the shit out of them. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of Portland at the Movies. That caught me off guard because on my second viewing, I had walked out of the room before that line. <laughs> that is the huh, best so line of the entire movie. I... <laughs> I cannot hide. This is another episode of Portland at the Movies. My name is Todd Workoven, and I am joined, as always, by Mark Middleton. How are you, Mark? I'm so great now. Good. And Brian, the Unipiper Kid, how are you, Brian? I'm good, Todd. I'm thrilled to be here today. Good. I cannot wait to talk this movie about, about this movie. I was... I it it refreshed the podcast in my in my view. I, as much as I love the Millergy, uh, I, I it was... It was good to get back to a movie that just looked like a movie, and uh, so I cannot wait to talk about it. I went through the whole range of emotions watching it by myself, where I shouted out loud, I put my hands up to my face, my mouth dropped open, and I would wave my hands in the air (laughs) because I was all excited. So I had a lot of fun with this movie, Cabin Fever, which was uh, from 2016, not the original Cabin Fever, which we'll talk about here in a bit. Uh, this one is the Travis Z-directed Cabin Fever, um, who I looked up on IMDb, and he apparently has done a documentary on Darcel. Yeah. So I thought that was that was interesting. Nice. So, Brian, I think you are the only one out of the three of us that have seen the original Cabin Fever, and I didn't get a chance to watch it yet. So oh. do you have any thoughts or insight? or Do I ever? Um <laughs> So we got to set the stage. This movie is uh, somewhat infamous uh, in the horror community. Um, okay. Because uh, the the original it, or the remake? Well, sort of both, uh, but okay. particularly the remake um, for for just being absolutely terrible. And <laughs> I'd never seen it because okay, I, I got to tell you the original Cabin Fever, two thousand and two, directed by Eli Roth. It's like one of my favorite guilty pleasures of all time. Like. I love that movie because it's so stupid and so fun and it it has a pretty significant cult following uh the original that people love it both ironically and not ironically um and it's kind of a perfect movie for what it was trying to do and for what it ended up being um and there this remake happened i think 14 years after you know the original so it wasn't that long and like the question on everybody's mind was like, why? Because it did not necessarily feel outdated by that point. Um, and having now watched this, it completely caught me off guard because I had had zero desire to see this because I heard it was bad and I didn't 
want to tarnish the memory of the original in my <laughs> eyes. So right off the bat, I knew something was, I did not realize this was a shot for shot remake with the same original script. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Todd, if you enjoyed this movie, I can do nothing but recommend the original and suggest okay. that you might enjoy it 10 times more. Okay, okay. I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed this movie, I think, just, uh, like I said, first on the level of, oh, good, this looks like a real movie. I thought the acting was good. I thought it was shot beautifully. Everything looked wonderful. Yes. I didn't think the direction was bad. Um, I had problems because I felt like halfway through the movie, the people who had started making the movie, like, went to get lunch and never came back and like another crew came in and was like oh we gotta finish this movie because <laughs> like lots of weird things started happening but yep. I guess then in in talking about this this movie it's almost like there's a spoiler like about so this movie is about a group of kids uh, five kids or teenagers or 20 year olds or whatever that go off into a cabin for the weekend to have fun one by one they start contracting this virus that eats their skin off they're getting sick, they don't know what it was, blah, 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 lots of stuff happens. So we find out halfway through the movie kind of what is causing and spreading this virus. And I kind of felt like, at least in this movie, and I guess it sounds like it was the same in the first one, like I didn't know if that was information that would have been better like to know towards the end, or like it almost seemed like a, like a spoiler or like, hmm. in well, the, well, you know what was, I mean? It was officially announced 18 minutes before the end of the movie. Uh, right and and so it was and most people that contracted it during the movie had already contracted it so that like he started warning people at that point uh, that's which, true. so the audience knew it but the characters didn't necessarily right. know it then right okay i kind of feel like with this kind of movie it doesn't matter it where it absolutely the virus doesn't <laughs> right right Right. Like, I don't care if it was in the water. I don't care if it was from space aliens. Um, people's flesh falls off, and that's all I care about. Right. Yeah, so I guess we could just say it up top, then, that the, they're all getting this virus by drinking the contaminated water from this reservoir that is, is feeding the house pipes. So that when that is kind of revealed or hinted at halfway through the movie, you know, they follow the pipe from the river up into the glass of water that they're drinking – I was really confused because people had already been swimming in the river. Surely someone must have taken a shower. Like, nobody had had any water at this. I couldn't understand the parameters of, like, you could, if only if you drink the water is when you get this virus. Because, like, they're all over that lake. And This, this movie just... is no contagion. Uh, this movie, it, you know, they are... <laughs> They are mopping up blood, uh, you know, with a handkerchief over their mouth. And you want to get anti-mask on this, this group. This, yeah, that's possible with this. Like, there's, there's no quarantine. Like, well, you know, there's the one let me drag her out and then <laughs> complain about driving in the same vehicle as her. Like, so let's there's be no clear. The okay. first person to contract the virus was Karen, and she was not wearing a mask. That's <laughs> very true. That was the other weird thing about this movie, because the, the the kind of the tropes of horror movies are supposedly that, you know, kids go into the woods and they do, uh, they make bad decisions or bad moral decisions, and then they get, you know, picked off for that. But, like, 
this movie, like its most terrible character, who I thought was named Mark the whole time, but apparently his name was Bert. Um, <laughs> like him and some of the other people in the movie that just behave like garbage. Like they don't get killed first. Karen kind of gets it the worst, and like she didn't do anything wrong. I like it. I, I it, that was very strange to me because I couldn't follow like the progression of who was supposed to be getting it or or why they were getting it or why they were being punished by the movie i guess yeah <laughs> i have nothing for you um. <laughs> so todd i i am i looking I, too hard i kind of don't want to have to have this conversation but i think it's impossible to discuss this movie there's two ways you could look at this movie you could look at this movie completely on its own merits um or you could look at it uh, in terms of the original. And okay. it, it could be, some would argue, a disservice to compare it to the original. <laughs> but just what it is and what it's trying to do, there's no escaping that it is a shot-for-shot remake of the original. And okay. all of these questions that you probably have about it getting <laughs> weird, you have to understand that in the context of the director of the original, uh, Eli Roth. Right. Um, do you know much about Eli Roth? I I know his name, and I know he he's he's like one level above uh, Uwe Boll when I hear <laughs> people talk about horror movie directors and stuff like that. So that's kind of all I know is he's not necessarily known for his quality, but his movies like aren't the worst thing on earth if you're just looking for like a slasher movie or a, you know or something like this. Yeah. So this was his breakout feature film, the original Cabin okay. Fever. Um, and he just straight up is a horror movie fan, and all he has ever wanted to do was just continue making the grossest horror movies as if, you know, the 80s never ended in the late 70s. <laughs> um, and so uh, he went on from Cabin Fever to do the Hostel movies, um, oh, right. you know, which some people say ushered in the era of uh, torture, torture porn. porn. Yeah. Um, and so I was reading, you know, after watching this and just being blown away that it was like, I did not expect it to be the same movie, but with worse actors and directors, just everything about it. I think the biggest thing that this film lacks, the original had, is that all of the decisions that went into making the original came directly from Eli Roth and were put there with like his passion and the tone is just all over the place, um, more so in the original. Like I, I'm sure you're going to say that you felt the tone was all over the place in this movie, <laughs> right? Yeah, it was. It, it was a little scattered. So in the original, uh, within the context of the 2016, as the because it's going by the same script, so they're filming the script, and but they're doing it all pretty much in the same style of film it's kind of got this you know uh mid um uh 2000 early 2010 uh kind of gritty uh feel to it um the original one as it would sort of shift tones like the whole tone of the movie would shift so when it got wacky suddenly the entire movie and the direction and everything about it was wacky it had it didn't necessarily make sense but it had charm whereas that charm is just 100 percent absent from this version Wow. And I think, I mean, the only way I can discuss this is as as its own thing right now. And I think probably for the the 
purposes of this podcast, I don't know how many people have seen the original. So, I mean, I'm sure I will have a lot of questions that are probably just, it was that way in the original. <laughs> but so they they set it up, you know, that these 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 kids, I'll just call them kids, even though they're not kids. They they go to the cabin to have their weekend or whatever. And then we start meeting a, a sort of a supporting cast of characters kind of throughout the movie. It opens with that cliche of like stopping at the abandoned gas station with the weird hillbilly type people. And, and then we meet um, one of the neighbors or some another another person around the campfire and his dog. And then we meet the sheriff lady. Grim. And all of these people are acting so bizarrely that it feels like the movie wants us to think they're behind this thing that they already told us comes from the water. And that's what I couldn't figure out. I mean, basically, we're showing a picture of the sheriff here in our in our video. And she is basically that lady from Reno 911. Yeah. <laughs> and she has like this 100%. inexplicable scar that on her eye that they do a close up of like that's going to reveal something later. But nothing like it. It's so weird. That and the guy around the campfire who's carrying around like 10 pounds of weed in a bag. Like, he's acting super weird. Like, everybody acts like, you know, if the plot was the whole small town was kidnapping people for whatever and they're all in on it. But throughout this movie, it's like they don't know, they don't even know about the virus at all, it seems like. So, to me, it feels like those characters in this movie they feel like they're from another movie and they're like shoehorned into this movie. Um, yes. Whereas in the original, those characters were still a little bit wacky, but they were played for laughs. But when you put them into the direction of this film where they're not necessarily played for laughs, they, you're, you're just really confused about these people. Okay. That, that makes it, it's like translating a film like from French into English and it just like doesn't. That's, that's of. what this feels like is a, a, a Google Translate of a movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's. Yeah. I, I can. So it, I can in, um, instead of going little... from like French to English, this movie has gone from 2002 to 2016. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and you're like, oh, okay. I can, I can kind of get the gist of what they were trying to do, but it doesn't. A native speaker wouldn't say it that way. <laughs> Very well put. <laughs> so then, it's going to be hard to ask questions because it sounds like well, I'm not going to get any <clears throat> sufficient answer <laughs> answers because of the weird translation train. But the whole I couldn't understand not only the out the the weird aspect of these outsiders, but like that very first scene where the kids pull up to the gas station, you know, and there's the grisly old farm guy that's warning them about what's to come and there's this little kid who's wearing like this paper cutout rabbit mask and he bites one of the kids in the car and like there's yeah. a whole thing and this kid like it's, that's it's Dennis. Dennis Dennis the kid don't Dennis talk the to Dennis <laughs> don't talk <laughs> to Dennis but he like he has some sort of mental problems it's alluded to and like he shows up at the end as well as if it's supposed to be again like a conspiracy from these townspeople to help like it did that i i could not connect in my head what they were trying to do with Dennis the kid as well as these other people 
I think, uh, and again, this is based on um, my knowledge of the original, I think where they were trying to go with that. So that one of the major, I would say this movie is honestly about 92% the exact same as the original. One of the things that was changed is the end. Um, the ending of the original was much more effective. Um, I'll tell you how the original I mean, I guess I have to. Do you want me to tell you? Yeah. 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 So in the original, um, after all of the kids uh, were dead, um, you see a cutaway to a lemonade stand at the uh, store. And uh, they're having, you know, they're selling lemonade made with water from the reservoir. Um, oh and, no! And then the camera pulls back even further, and you see a truck, and it's a like a bottled water truck, and it's like Crystal Springs water. It's, it's the water from the <laughs> reservoir, so it's insinuating like like it's going everywhere. And it was sort of portrayed in the way that they wanted to get rid of the kids because they just they wanted to ignore the the fact that there like was a virus. You know, if if word got out, it was going to destroy the livelihood of the. Um, uh, bottled water business hill. in their town. It would destroy the livelihood of the hill people that we were introduced to, <laughs> overalls and all. Um, well, so let's, I guess, kind of get into some of the nitty-gritty nitty, nitty of this this movie. So the kids arrive at the cabin, uh, and one of them, Bert, not Mark, Bert, um, is kind of this Matthew Lillard-type character who brought like an AK-47 assault rifle. <laughs> He's walking around in the woods and sees this person that's obviously infected somehow. The skin is all coming off and gross. We don't know what's going on. He, he had accidentally shot this guy. And then Matthew Lillard runs back to the cabin and leaves the guy in the forest to die and like doesn't bring it up. Later, the guy who was left to die comes out of the forest. You know, he's in the midst of dying from whatever this virus is all the skin is coming off and he knocks on the door of the cabin and they all all the there's five of the kids they come out and there's a kerfuffle and they kind of get in an argument and they end up setting the guy on fire somehow yep. yes <laughs> yes <laughs> which i thought was a great stunt because he was on fire for a really long time as he walked down that path oh yeah so then it becomes, you know, kind of a movie of, uh-oh, what what happened? What did we just do? Um, and I, have, I've, and they have no cell service, and the vehicle is now broken down, and so they're isolated on this cabin, trying to get word out. Trying, and one of you know, uh, then one of their friends gets sick, and uh, it just. Uh, de-escalates from there. Or yeah, Karen, yeah, so the guy that they ended up setting on fire had gotten into their car and, like, one of the symptoms is just, like, vomiting blood and sputum everywhere, so, like, their car is all wrecked and covered in stuff that they can't get into, so they're afraid of that. Then Karen, who, you know, I gotta, I gotta hand it to Karen. I, whoever that actress is, I think did such a good job in this movie about when she was scared and terrified and when she ends up getting infected and is like rotting away. Like I thought she did really good in a movie that like Mark and I were talking, Brian, before you joined the call about, I couldn't remember the names of any of these people. They don't really have all that distinct personalities from each other, but Karen, despite given almost nothing to work with, I thought did 
a really, really good job with what she was given. But yeah, she contracts it first because they give her water after they set the guy on fire and she's having trouble coping with that. And then she, she contracts it, uh, which caused me to write something down that I never thought I would write down, which was in a sex scene where her thighs decompose. <laughs> Indeed, yeah. So uh, Karen, uh, Karen and Jeff each came individually single. They've known each other since fourth grade or whatever. And um, Jeff has always had a crush on Karen. They finally kiss and uh, things start happening. And then um, uh, it comes to be known that she is infected and her thighs are decomposing. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. In, and then indeed there's two. They are. <clears throat> so the other characters, there's Paul and Marcy, and they are dating. And then there's Bert. And Bert is the third wheel of the group who's kind of an outlier. And then you've got the various cast of characters of uh, white folk in well, the, the woods. The other girl's name was what, Marcy? Yes. Okay, I just kept calling her not Megan Fox because she looks exactly like Megan Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I only I only know that because of IMDb. I did not <laughs> did not learn her name in the movie at all. There were two things speaking of Marcy, Marcy and Jeff or Marcy and who is Marcy's boyfriend? There's Paul. 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 Marcy and Paul have two sex scenes in this movie that like I felt like when they were editing the movie together there was a guy walking past with just like reels of porn and they like bumped into each other and two of those reels of porn just yes. ended up in this movie because like out of they're just out of nowhere they have music that's completely different and it's like it's so aggressive and it, it, what they're showing and then, but they only show it for like 10 seconds in that first one and then they cut down back they had cut from someone taking a nap to 10 seconds of like just a very active sex back to somebody sleeping and then like we didn't see nudity again until almost the end of the movie where that <laughs> quote from the beginning of the show takes place and the same thing happens again but just longer <laughs> it was insane um so you realize that uh, I feel like everything I'm going to say is somehow relates back to the original, but it was much clearer in the original. But you, so the two uh, Paul and um, forget the other guy's Mark. name, uh, but they made yep. a bet at the campfire that they could only drink beer for the rest of the trip. And I so, did catch that when Matthew Lillard said that I caught it. So it's so like, oh, that, at least that's an excuse for them not having water. It, yes, and so that's supposed to explain why I think Paul didn't catch the virus until the very end. Ah. So that means, like, no one's brushing their teeth? No one's, like... <laughs> you can brush your teeth with beer. <laughs> exactly. So they, they end up... So Karen gets the virus. Her thighs are decomposing while they're kind of... Her and, and Jeff are starting to kiss on the bed and so they keep her at first in her bedroom and then they decide to move her out to one of the sheds on the property because they don't want to catch they still you know they obviously don't know where it's coming from they don't want to catch it so they move her out to the shed um there's also kind of a demonic dog that um 
has the virus that's kind of patrolling the property, so that that comes into play. At one point... Pancakes. Pancakes the dog. If I was in charge of the opening and could get this off of Netflix, there's that kid with a rabbit face screaming pancakes, pancakes at the end that I thought was quite amusing. Yes. Um, But yes, pancakes... Oh, is that... No, Pancakes the dog is a different one because Pancakes die. This is just a different dog. Yes. um, Okay, so... Let me complain about something. Um, <laughs> the most infamous scene from the original film is the pancake scene, which is uh, oh. when, when Dennis starts yelling pancakes. And uh, <laughs> he, he doesn't do it in this, but in the original, he starts yelling pancakes, and then he does like legitimate kung fu for like 30 seconds. <laughs> it, it makes no sense, and you're just like, what happened? Um, so it... In the original, does Dennis do more, or does he cause things to, like, get a ball rolling, or is he just... Because he bit the people, so that's, like, supposed to be like, oh, this is how this virus is going to be transmitted, but yeah, that has nothing to do with anything. No, and he, he acts in very much the same manner uh, in the original. Um, but <laughs> this, this scene with pancakes, it just comes out of nowhere, and, and you it, it sticks with you. So when this movie opened and you see that that dog's name was Pancakes, yeah, you're like, if you've seen the original, you, you think, oh, okay, so they're not going to have the kid yelling Pancakes, and this is their like little nod to that. Oh. So the fact that they put that little Easter egg in there, and then later they still <laughs> had Dennis yell Pancakes, you're like, well, why did you even bother calling the dog Pancakes? It's just confusing. So after after Karen gets uh, drugged into the shed and she's in there at one point, I don't know if anybody else noticed this, but um, one of the one of the guys is kind of standing guard at the shed because they know the dog is around. And inside the shed, you see like flashing lights, like lightning or like sparks or something coming from inside the shed. Yeah, because that that's that was the whole end credit reveal. She's oh, wait, a what? social media influencer, and she was taking selfies. Oh, you're right. I forgot to watch the end credits on the second view. I'd forgotten what? about that. But you missed the whole movie. <laughs> How did I even love this movie if I didn't know that? <laughs> yeah, so she's total selfie influencer. And this is from 2016, so this is you know early in the influencer movement right and and so she's instagramming everything i did notice at the beginning when she was taking selfies she went down to the lake which is i mean the location i don't know if they built this cabin just for this movie but this location was beautiful i thought the cabin was amazing i thought it was great i talked to ted pfeiffer who we talked to last month he was the um he was in charge of location management he did had like three other roles in this and I think he's in it at the very end when they're doing like a helicopter sh- overhead shot of like the cops coming up because he's listed as an uh, uh, uncredited as a as a deputy. But right. There's no other deputy deputies in the movie. So, but so I asked him, I messaged him a couple days ago, but I think he's out of town where those locations are for. So check portlandthemovies.com/map, um, and hopefully by then I'll have that. But I thought the location was beautiful, and Karen when she first gets there and is taking selfies. She's taking selfies with the, like, the rocky riverbank behind her instead of the lake behind her, which I thought was a little (laughs) crazy. It's like the beautiful part she's looking at, but then she's taking a selfie of herself looking at what's beautiful. (laughs) 
I after, really want to figure out where that cabin is. I'm sure it must be real. Uh, yeah. And we need to we need to stay there. Oh yeah, my be, gosh, that would, that would be, be amazing. Awesome. We yeah, have so our... it's it's down by Malala somewhere. Is yeah. What the word is, but I don't know. And they did what. use Clackamas County, a Clackamas County Sheriff car, but they covered up the CL, so it just said Acamas. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. I did hear somebody say like uh the name of the the county in the movie and but it, it yeah. sounded like they said something like lack I, I played it like two times no, and I couldn't they, understand what they were saying they said something like brighton or something i didn't recognize but the car for sure it says clackamas county they just put a, a white sticker over the cl so it's just <laughs> Acamas county which is pretty great um but yeah oh man the first portland at the movies meetup is gonna be at that cabin Yes. <laughs> so after Karen, after this is kind of uh, like to me as a viewer, this movie is progressing and I'm into it so far. It makes sense. Besides the weird side characters, I can track, you know, even as after they set the guy on fire and they're all trying to deal with that trauma, I thought was actually pretty realistic for a horror movie because usually remember in um, in Harvest of Fear, how there's literally a small town with a maniac serial killer in it, and they're arguing, like, we'll just stay here at this cabin. We already paid for it, or whatever the line was, and they're, like, just completely <laughs> we'll non-bothered. We'll lose our deposit. But, <laughs> but the, the kids in this movie were, like, freaking out and showing that they were coming unglued, and, like, I was... But then everybody starts... This is where, like, I thought, oh, this is where the original filmmakers left and the re replacements came in, because everybody started making like the opposite kinds of decisions they already had because they immediately after putting Karen in the thing and being like, we can't touch her. We can't even sit by the door and talk to her or whatever. They go in and they like handle her. They go, the guy who's a gun nut doesn't want to shoot the rabid dog, even though the dog has already shown to be like dangerous and like under the control of the virus and then we get not Megan Fox, who after they have sex on the kitchen counter in the midst of all this trauma, because what else are you going to do, I guess? She, number one, takes a bath with open sores, which I was very uncomfortable with. But, but Mark, so let's say you have lots of open sores. <laughs> What are you going to do when you get in the shower to tend to your open sores? <laughs> Probably wash them, but uh, yeah, she, yeah, it, it was kind of a mess. The whole thing was a mess. And that whole she decides to shave her legs <laughs> with a sharp yes. razor as her skin <laughs> is already coming off. It reminded me of that scene in, I think it's an airplane two or air, it's, or maybe the first airplane where there's all of the turbulence and stuff like that. And the guy is in the <laughs> airplane bathroom shaving and he's just like cutting the shit out of his face while the airplane's like all turbulent who in a situation where your skin is coming off starts to shave and she's just I shaving like chunks out of her leg. So I, I think that was supposed to be a reveal. Yeah. Like, I don't think she really realized the extent of what was going on. Mark's right. Uh, and so and, and so it was supposed to be this this shocking reveal because she thought she's just shaving her normal legs where 
underneath the shaving cream somehow the skin has eaten away <laughs> all of a sudden and now as i bring my razor up i reveal that my flesh is falling off and i i could get behind that but how it's, do you explain that she shaved off her boob <laughs> i yeah it fell off <laughs> did it it fell off yeah um, that scene is much more effective uh, in, in the original. Um, it, this one, they clearly just had like red dye under the shaving cream, and she just kind of <laughs> smeared it around. Um, the original, I, I remember, it's like visceral. It's like it, you see a close up of the razor blade and pulling the skin off, and it's yeah. I mean, don't make me wrong. It was gross and cool. I was, I just could not rationalize in my head because we see her or her back we're shown her back that has open sores and skin infections and then she decides to shave her legs which made me laugh so hard and then after all that after her boob falls off and she's like <laughs> half of her skin is missing she freaks out and gets out of the bath goes out so oh, there it is on our screen goes outside of the house and like collapses in the mud which I couldn't quite figure out. Like I get panicking, but I didn't. I couldn't quite follow the logic trail on what had led her to that decision. Uh, Mark, you said you had a music cue that you wanted to play. That was the moment I wrote down. This score is really good. It's very overblown for that section, but the rest of this movie, I thought there was a lot of interesting noises that they would kind of marry to the traditional score like that. Like there would be some sort of like machinery noise or some sort of metallic echo or something like that that was added. I thought was kind of neat, but yeah, I had written down right at that point. I like the music in this and then Mark played that at the beginning, <laughs> which is great. One of my very, very favorite, and now I guess it's kind of ruined knowing that it was probably this way in the original. So <laughs> Karen is has been decaying in the shed as everybody else is kind of freaking out and kind of split off from the group. Uh, one of the guys in the group goes to quarantine himself in the woods, so he kind of disappears. Matthew Lillard freaks out and ends up driving away on his own when he realizes he's infected. And so like our, our crowd has dispersed a little bit. <laughs> Brian's yawning at the sheer boredom of this movie. But Karen is in the shed and um, Jeff, you know, the, the guy that has a crush on her, comes back and checks on her. She's almost dead. Oh, the dog had gotten inside and that is now eating Karen alive. So Jeff shoots the dog. Karen is saying, you know, please kill me. Please kill me. Jeff says, oh, I can't. Karen says, you got it, bro. And he's like, bro, I can't do it or whatever. And then lifts his gun. The gun is empty. Uh, he then looks around this shed in the to look for different implements to say, like, how can I quickly end this person's life? And he picks up a shovel. And I'm like, you know, oh, that's gross and horrible. But, you know, just really hitting someone in the head with a <laughs> shovel is a good way to knock him out. 
blah, 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 which he does not, he, t <laughs> he takes the shovel blade in first and rams it into her mouth, <laughs> <laughs> which was so disturbing and so gross and so wonderful and does not kill her. It was really effective, and that's the one thing I will say that was better in this movie, was oh, that really? scene. You don't now, see her, because he doesn't kill her, it doesn't go all the way through, and it leaves her jaw, like, flopping, like a Canadian on South there, Park. And she's, and she's like, please, finish it, or whatever. <laughs> and so then, instead of just continuing to stab her with this sharp end of a thing, he grabs gasoline... And pours it over a person who is basically an open wound. <laughs> and she screams. Screamy. And that's what I wrote again. I'm like, this actress, because like I was sick to my stomach with the way that she was screaming. And then he takes a road flare and just tosses it onto her. And then she just continues to scream. And I was like... Of all of the ways that are not fast and the most cruel way to end a human's life, he picked. And that's the person he loved. And, oh, I freaked out when I saw that. Oh, the gasoline burns twice. <laughs> so in the original movie, is it the same thing? Does he make... Does that unfold the same way? Uh, sort of. He, um... He just kills her with a shovel, and you just see a close-up on him as he's shoving it into her head, and then, wow. like, blood splatters, and you don't see her. You just see, like, his face as blood is going everywhere. Oh, wow. It. Yeah, that, I mean, seeing seeing her after he shoved the end of a, of a sh pointed shovel <laughs> into her mouth, and then she's just there. It's flopping like a Muppet, and she's saying, yeah. kill me. I don't think and I've then, ever seen anything like that in another film. Yeah, and then, I mean, and it's pretty crazy that if it's not in the original, the decision to then pour gas on her and set her on fire, which I thought was kind of an interesting bookend because that's how they that's how they killed the original guy that came out of the woods was by throwing gas on him and lighting him on fire. So, but, but boy, I, I shouted out loud. I believe at my screen when that happened. Uh, so go ahead. No, I was going to say that I did not hate this movie. Um, as much as I thought I was, um, okay had I not seen the original I think I would have enjoyed it even more like on its own I I think it's not awful um, yeah it's, it's no. got I, some... well it got a, like a 3.5 from what I saw and I which I think is like super low it like is. this isn't this isn't a good like I was trying to describe it to um, to someone because I watched uh, child's play yesterday with some teenagers that had never seen it and I was like this is not going to be a good movie, but this is like, this is a good movie. This is going to be fun and dumb. So like, let's not lean on it too hard. And, um, and it's kind of the same with this one. So I was telling them like how much fun I had watching it, but like, this isn't a good movie, especially the second half where things just get 
insane and none of the decisions make sense, but I thoroughly enjoyed watching this movie not having known anything about Like, I didn't even really know the basic story having not seen the first one. I just kind of yeah. went into it blind. If the first one had yeah, not existed, I would say this definitely deserves higher than 3.5. Um, yeah. But I think that most, the vast majority of this film's criticism come from comparing it inevitably to the original. Right. That's so mm. interesting that they, yeah, because it's not that old, and if they didn't do much to update or change it, it is no. really strange. It, so that leads to the question, is like, why was it remade? And no one <laughs> seems to have a solid answer, but the best theory that I heard was that Eli Roth, you know, being uh, such a big horror fan, and, you know, he's gone on to have moderate success as a filmmaker, and I think that he wanted his movies to be seen in the same light that other horror movies that ended up getting remade, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre or Evil Dead, and he wanted to be able to say that, oh yeah, Cabin Fever was so good that it also deserved a remake. <laughs> Do you know if he had any act like I know he's he's listed as a producer and he gets obviously credit or credit for co-writing since it sounds like they used his script. Do you know if he was actively involved with this? I forget if Ted said because Ted Pfeiffer, who we talked to last month, said that he was like on set almost every day during the filming of this movie, which maybe we should have another follow up episode with Ted. But um, totally. so I'm wondering if he just sort of signed off on it. Yeah, I read that he had an uncredited uh, cameo. I didn't necessarily see him. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't know in the active production how much he It's had. just so, I mean, just going back, especially, I mean, we've been talking about how it's not good, it's not bad, blah, 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 blah. And on its own, it's it's enjoyable. But I just cannot get past how, what the decision process for all of these supporting characters are especially that that deputy sheriff like i get the hill people like you can be a little like oh they're super crazy but that deputy sheriff lady (laughs) being so like even the way she was styled she had i mean she was like i said the reno 911 lady with that platinum blonde you know curled hair and a really flawless hat Totally. Yeah, she looked yeah. like she was wearing a costume, like it was going to be revealed. Yeah, she, she got her like... costume from Spirit Halloween. <laughs> yep. So I couldn't get past what that was, those decisions to make that, because that really pulled me out of the movie in a way that I was like, wait, am I supposed to be seeing a bigger picture? Well, again, in the original, that character was a, a, a male deputy. And he is was extremely eccentric. Uh, the actor really brought a lot to the role. And I read that uh, they decided to change it to a female deputy in this one so as to not even have to compete with the performance uh, given by the actor in the original. Oh, wow. Well, then it's yeah. even crazier that they made such a bold choice for because right. I mean they had her flirting with one of the kids at the like that was kind of a through line and then she's it, it was just so weird she was a sniper at the end and she took out one of the people yeah, she like, ended up shooting the last guy standing right wow so do we think any of these townspeople knew 
what was happening and were hiding it? Or are we on the page that they didn't? I think they were aware that something was going on and they, much like uh, people, certain people in the current pandemic, uh, just wanted, would rather ignore what was going on. Okay, because I guess the the one guy that we see at the beginning who ended up getting set on fire, he is later revealed to be like the uncle or nephew cousin. of that, of oh, the cousin of that cousin crazy lady who's skinning the pig that was yeah. sick. Because the pig was sick too, and I guess she was surprised by that. Cousin Henry. Cousin Henry, who I love the picture of. Like I love my cousins. I don't know that I have like a framed picture of one of them on my wall, especially making a face that's like not really smiling or wanting to be in a photograph. <laughs> Here's our reclusive cousin that never comes out. It was he lives basically in the woods that somewhere. film of Bigfoot of just like cousin Henry blurrily walking by the camera at some point. Oh my God. So did you, did you pick up on any uh, locations really? I didn't. I mean, other than no. it looked like that cabin on the lake, there was another bridge. Oh, no, I did. that. The gas station they called had a sign that's called Dirky Prairie Store. Yeah, Dickies. Dicky Prairie. Yeah. And so I um, didn't, and I saw that uh, in the credits, too, but I haven't looked to see where that is yet. So, that yeah, um, that is a real store that is now closed uh, in Malala. Okay. Um, but everything I see online keeps saying that it was filmed in Portland. So I'm wondering, you know, if that cabin is somewhere not far from Portland or like... I mean, that cabin was on that lake and there's not... I mean, that was a substantial lake. I mean, it wasn't gigantic, but it's big enough that, like, I felt... I I, I have a feeling it's somewhere out near Malala, too. Maybe they filmed some interior of the house in Portland somewhere, but that doesn't make sense either. Maybe the, the... crazy pig lady maybe her house was around portland maybe i don't know but that yeah i it seems like this is very malala you know out. if only we knew the location scout <laughs> if only he wasn't on a peaceful vacation trying to escape a deadly virus um so yeah we'll hear back from him i'm sure he'll tell us but there wasn't a whole lot of other locations they kind of had a, a, a bridge that was in there that they that they filmed a couple things on it a couple roads but it was mostly that cabin um and the property on it so I'd i sure hope it's for rent i i truly want to go stay there i was looking at like the driveway <laughs> and kind of how they did the um the garden areas and they kind of looked newer and so i was like oh maybe they did just build it just for this but even if they did it seems like there was an interior to it that they shot on so man that would be so cool because that was a i really liked that house it was so neat yeah it kind of reminds me of uh, our uh eclipse trip Totally. You yep. know, it's funny. It's like, because there's five kids in this group. There's the, the two that are, there's the one couple, the two that are kind of a couple, and the third guy. And I'm like, what kind of wacky situation would have two couples and a weird guy by himself? And then I remember, like, literally, that was our exact trip to go see the eclipse. It's staying a cabin in the woods with two couples and one weird guy, me. And Todd with his AK 47. <laughs> oh, man. So other, are there other differences from this, Brian, that we kind of haven't talked about this from the original one or anything new? I mean, the biggest differences were uh, the change of the end uh, and then probably the change of the sex of the deputy. 
So was it, I mean, like we said kind of at the beginning, this I thought was shot really well. It looked beautiful. Like, what did, did the first one kind of equal that? Uh, in a way. It, it, the, the original, like I said, it, it was pretty much a written, directed, produced by, you know, it was an Eli Roth. It, it kind of had that vibe of someone who had a singular vision and, you know, no one was going to tell them that your ideas don't make sense. They're just going to roll with it. And that certainly gave it some heart and charm that, like I said, was just completely lacking in this movie and instead replaced with that, like, early 2010s just layer of grit, you know. Everything's got to be gritty now. Um, so, you know, if you want a little bit more campy, a little bit more punchy, um, you know, I, you really need, for the full experience, to go back and now see the original. I wonder if they just did it because they had, like, a bigger budget or something like that and he just wanted maybe that's why he wanted to remake it yeah i did see some interview where he said he did there were some things in this one that he wasn't able to do in the original um i didn't necessarily pick up on those um but uh yeah i i don't see now all this movie so like i said on its own i would have really enjoyed this movie um but uh all it made me do watching it was made me think of the original and be like, oh yeah, I remember that scene. And wow. and, and so I, I got some enjoyment because I was thinking of the movie I really liked while watching this movie. <laughs> That's how most of Portland at the movies work. We get enjoyment while thinking of other movies that we've seen in the past that we've enjoyed. <laughs> Well, that's a shame. I mean, I do, I will say it. I, I know if if there are horror fans listening to this that have Googled Cabin Fever to listen to people review this movie who are now screaming in anger because Mark and I have not seen the original movie and are judging this movie on our own. Don't come <laughs> at us, bro. <laughs> but from that view, like I, like I said, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie i thought it was well made it fell apart in a lot of the script elements i thought but as far as the production value and the acting and the music and the all of that i just thought was just really really fun for what it was um did you see the evil dead remake <sighs> i can't remember now because it's... that came out in 2013 and oh. I'm just wondering if, if like, so I had read that originally before they made this, they were going to make a Cabin Fever 4. Like, after the first movie, there were two direct-to-video sequels. Oh, wow. Um, and, and they were planning to do a fourth one, and instead they made the abrupt decision to scrap the fourth one and do this remake instead. And hmm. the style of this remake is very much the, the style of the Evil Dead remake. But the difference there is that that the Evil Dead remake was not a, you know, a shot-for-shot shot remake of the original. They changed enough for it to stand on its own. And I'm just wondering if they made that decision in light of the success of the Evil Dead remake. That could be. I wonder, I wonder if it's if Eli Roth just wanted to be able to keep the copyright to Cabin Fever. And so he made a new one just to extend the property of it. It is a shame, though, hearing that it is such a close shot-for-shot, shot, basically, remake of the first one. Because, like, even if 
I mean, even if this would have made it some of its own choices and stuff like that, like it would have just elevated it so much more because like, I don't feel like this movie was, I don't know. It, it's, 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 I guess just hard to hear that because I liked so many of the elements that went into making this movie look and feel like it did. It's a shame that. Well, just... now I'm really curious to see what you, both of you would think of the original. If you would like it more right. knowing that you know you already have the uh, emotions established by watching this one first. Right. Well, maybe I'll watch it cuz I was going to watch it and I'm like I can only take so much cabin fever in one week. <laughs> <laughs> so, but maybe maybe later this evening I'll I'll fire up the the other cabin fever and take a look, but um but I would say I mean I guess we spo- Well, I guess it wasn't a spoiler that the water is doing it. Um but yeah, I would. I mean, I would totally recommend this movie. I guess for people who haven't seen the original one, but it maybe even sounds like for maybe people who have, it's not. It doesn't sour you on it, does it? I wouldn't. Say, that's what I was worried about, and I don't think it soured me. It just made me think of the other movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like watching a share impersonator when you just want to see share. I don't know why Cher. I don't know. Cher was my first example to go to. But. Here we go. So the first movie is like going to an amazing concert, and you have these memories, and it was just such an amazing experience. And then watching this is like um, you were able to download a really crappy bootleg recording of that show, and then listen to it again. And okay, like, or seeing a cover band do the same show. Kind of, yeah. And, okay. And then it, you know, you're, you're able to get enjoyment. Um, mostly because of the connection to the real thing okay interesting well is there anything else we want to talk about this movie i did have one question watching this and i don't remember if it, if it happened in the original or not because it's been a while since i've actually seen it but i was just really confused the scene when um uh the uh the the hillbilly uh the man that got burned um he tries stealing their car and he gets in the car and uh, one of the guys starts just beating the car up with a baseball bat. Um, like, why is he damaging the car? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't have an answer. I think they later yeah. sort of, the next day, or how, is this just take over, take place over two days? How, what is the extent of, of time, or is it a week? Oh, that's a good question. I, I couldn't feel like figure it was that just out. like two days. Okay, which I guess is a little bit of an excuse for none of them to have had water up until the second day. But um, at, so the next day when they're like, we got to clean out the car, it's full of, you know, blood and, and shit and everywhere. And, and so they're arguing about that. The, the two boys are. And then not Megan Fox comes out is like, are you guys going to clean it or what? And they're like, well, if Jeff wouldn't have gone crazy, you know, hitting it with the. So I think they just they just sort of chalked it up to panic and not knowing what to do or trying to scare the guy away or, but yeah, they destroyed their own car. <laughs> their, their one means of escape from the situation they destroyed themselves. So yeah, that was, so I, I think I found the house. Oh, oh really? I, yeah. So I just gave you a link. There's a little reservoir just outside of Malala called the, Deerdorf Reservoir and there's a building on that reservoir that the roof line matches the uh, the roof line from the photos of the house. Oh, wow. So, 
it's on government property, I think. Interesting. And I so, wonder if it's like um, a, a forestry building or something like that. That's that's what it that's what it looks like. Um and hmm. so uh we'll do a little bit more digging yeah. in there, but Well then um, Ted as soon as yeah. if Ted makes it back from vacation, if he survives <laughs> if he survives, uh then he'll let us know too, so it'll be on the map, but yeah, I think this is it because um, there's some islands in the water, and they yeah. swim out to the island. Uh-oh. Yep. What's, what's the lake called? Uh, Deerdorf, uh, D-E-A-R-D-O-R-F-F Reservoir. That was the other thing I found confusing in this movie was um, when one of the people was, the, the character still had not figured out that the water was causing the problem and he walks by this lake or this reservoir and sees a sign that just says like whatever reservoir and then he's like oh my gosh it's in the water it's like it's in the water how in the world was seeing a sign that just said reservoir like how did that trigger (laughs) trigger what happened (laughs) oh my gosh i'm pretty sure you're right mark this because it's got that little island kind of across yeah but it looks like it, there's yeah. construction vehicles in this Google Earth picture, so I wonder if that's yeah. them building it for for this uh, movie. I, the I don't know. I, imagery is dated 2020 for that. Uh, oh, so it's interesting. Uh, well, that's cool. So yeah, I th- I think it's like a forestry building. That would make the most sense. Of some sort. Yeah. Hmm. We'll go I was it. also shocked. So no as we mentioned, the, um, that guy that got burned to death in the beginning who had the virus that um, so he runs away on fire. And then we just kind of never we assume that because he already had the virus bad and that he was set on fire, we'd never see from him again. In the last act of the movie, as one of our guys is like stumbling around the property, trying to figure things out, he kind of goes to the to the lake shore, the reservoir shore. And Jason Voorhees, like the burned man, pops up out of the lake, a charred husk of a man, and starts trying to choke Jeff or whoever it was to death and like drag him under the water. Has he just been living in the lake yes. for days? Like, what? How did that happen? Uh, that was a change. That was not in the original. Oh, really? Yeah. That I thought that would that as. I mean, none of this movie was realistic, I guess, on that stance. But, like, that really took me out of it because I'm like, was he just living in this lake after he was set on fire and is now just Jason Voorhees? Because that's ridiculous. Uh, so anyway. it's only an hour drive down to that reservoir. Uh, I, I know. I, I'm, up, I'm up for a road trip. <laughs> and okay. I'm probably closer being down here. <laughs> you totally are. Uh, summer road trip. Nice. Well, last thoughts on 2016's Cabin Fever remake. <sighs> um, go in, go in with low expectations, and I think you'll have a lot of fun. Now, it, how's that? Yeah, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was gonna say, if you haven't, if if you're someone listening that has not seen either of them, is there like an order that you should watch this in? Should you only watch the first one? Should you only watch this one? Because, I mean, presumably people want to see places that are around Portland. That's why they're listening to this podcast specifically. So in the context of this podcast, what would you say? I w- Maybe watch this one first and then uh, the original so that you kind of get the progression of 
uh, better instead of reflection on why did they do this? I would argue I the I would say watch the original first because um, a lot of the uh, things that may be more impactful when you see them the first time in the context of the original movie would be spoiled. Okay. All right. Well, I I think that's I think that's what people should go on then as as the only person having seen both of these. <laughs> seen both. And to the horror <laughs> fans screaming at their radio or the, at their at their <laughs> podcast app right now, what to watch? Um, um, but yeah, I did not. Was, I did not hate it, and um, I think it's a lot better than a lot of the movies that we watch on this podcast. And that, if the Cabin Fever remake ranks higher than most other movies, that says a lot about the quality of our films. <laughs> it is true. If this is what truly reignited my passion for this podcast, <laughs> I have already. <laughs> it is too late for me. <laughs> despite despite my frozen screen that we're looking at right now where my video has stopped <laughs> um, yeah I, I had fun I I thoroughly enjoyed it not having seen the first one just letting myself be taken away by this I thought the acting was good like I said everything about the production I thought was good but it sounds like it's an even better experience if you watch the first one so I will be going going to do that yeah <laughs> Sounds like good advice. Sounds like good advice. Indeed. All right. Well, thank you, everyone, for listening. Um, you can find out more at portlandatthemovies.com. You can find all of our old episodes. Um, be sure to subscribe if you're listening to this because our Facebook page, like we've mentioned a couple times, was taken down, and we still have not heard back as to why. So I spread the word uh, on your own Facebook pages um, and share our link when, when uh, the three of us share it just to kind of re-spread the word. Um, go to funemploymentradio.com and check out their daily podcast. They've been uh, do they attended the Portland uh, protests the other night and they had a good show about their experience there. So check that out if you want to listen to that. Brian, the Unipiper has been down with a a mouthful of issues. Are you back up on the proverbial motor uh, motorcycle uh, unicycle? Uh, not not yet. Um, I have an appointment this week to go get the stitches out in my mouth and. Uh, at that point, I should be back up and piping. Nice. So, are, are there stitches in your mouth right now? Oh yeah, yeah. Are I, you are I, you cosplaying Karen in this movie? Is your dentist going <laughs> to shove a, sh- a spaded shovel, shovel down your gullet when you visit next? I sure hope uh, not. But uh. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Go visit unipiper.com and unipiper on all the social media to keep up with what you're doing and to buy some merch during these long summer days where you need a smile on your face. So go check that out. Mark, where can we go find out more about you? Uh, you and I have a podcast called the Mark and Toddcast, and you can find us at markandtodcast.com or on our Facebook Facebook page until it gets taken down, too. So, uh, learn about things exactly. going on around in Portland and science stuff. Perfect, perfect. Uh, again, thank you for listening, Mark. You can take us out with that very, very exciting music we played earlier. So we'll talk yeah. to you guys later. Indeed. Thanks. Thanks.